Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at SixSecondStories.com. Okay, we've talked a lot here on the Storytelling Lab about using your story to craft your personal brand. But what does that all mean once you've done that? How can you create a business around that story that crafts and cultivates your personal brand. That is the conversation that I had with today's guest. Today I talked to Jimmy Hayes Nelson, also known as Coach Jimmy, the Coach Jimmy on Instagram. He is a high-performance personal development and storytelling coach. But here's the thing that I latched onto and liked about Jimmy immediately, besides just being a great guy, is he helps people... And it says this right on his website, whether it's through their business, their body, or their brains. Now, why this stuck out to me is because this 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 little trifecta is, is a place where I feel like I exist too. And typically, you always hear, especially when you're crafting your personal brand, like be a specialist, don't be a generalist, or like focus on one thing so that you can go deeper um, instead of being spread thin uh, widely over a lot of things, which is what I tend to do. And I I do think that is true. 
but Jimmy is a great representation of how you can juggle all those things or navigate those different avenues, especially when you have your core belief and your story solid. So you know how it applies to all these things. So you're not a different person for the business and a different person for the body and a different person for the brain. You're the same person. This is Coach Jimmy. And Coach Jimmy helps people unlock the same thing so that they can perform better, whether they're dealing with their bodies or their brains or their businesses. And often... They're all tied together. If you unlock the things that are blocking you in your brain, it's probably going to unlock the things that are blocking you in your business. Now, he started off in the fitness space, and I I think he was an actor as well. So his personality is there. He he grabs you just with his energy and his passion. Um, But as as a fitness trainer, he understood how to stay disciplined, how to work through struggles, right? How to set goals and achieve them. But it wasn't until he understood the power of his story that he really was able to transfer and translate those lessons into the business world. And now this is where he exists. He is a high-performance business coach that helps businesses understand and tell their story so that they can impact their customers and clients and communities deeper. I really, really enjoyed getting to know uh, Jimmy and talking to him. I feel like we have a lot in common. He's just like immediately you can see that he's just a great soul. Sweet, sweet guy. Very authentic. You can tell that it's him. And he just is out there to help people. And that's probably why he built his his coaching business to a seven-figure business because you can tell that he's here to help and that he's passionate about what he does and he's good at it. So here is my conversation with Coach Jimmy Hayes Nelson, and I hope you love it. I want to learn a little bit more about you, where you come from. You're, are you from Dallas? Uh, I moved here when I was 15, uh, okay. from West Texas, primarily. Oh, okay, still a Texas boy. Yeah, Texas boy. Um, I always tell, it's weird. I was born in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Don't know what it looks like, but my, my parents yeah. were together. The brief time my parents were together. Um, my dad was in the Navy, and so he moved mm. around a bunch, and I happened to make my debut in a snowstorm in Idaho, and then they came right back to Texas. So, Got it. you know, I claim, I can't quite claim born and bred in Texas, but from like six months Basically. after I was born on, yes. So what kind of, what was, what was young Jimmy like? What kind of kid were you? Um, well, this whole storytelling thing started, I always tell people it started in the first grade. And yeah. <laughs> when I look back on it, cause, uh, so I went, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, home sure. of Texas Tech University. Yeah. And in the first grade we had, um, I went to Murphy elementary school and the entire elementary school was doing like a Christmas play. And our first grade class was doing a musical number called too fat for the chimney. And so I was, so this was back in like the eighties when there wasn't, um, there wasn't like a childhood obesity epidemic. Like I was that kid in class. And I, from what I remember, I think I was the only kid with like divorced parents. And Mm. so I didn't have a lot of confidence, but I thought, dude, here's the opportunity. This musical number is about how Santa has gotten too fat to come down the chimney. So I'm like, roll, I got it. No, they gave, they gave the role to my best friend, Justin Martin, who was the skinniest kid in class. And he was like the popular kid. I wrapped a bunch of pillows around him, put him up stage, and all my other friends they put in like um like Jane Fonda 1980s like aerobics gear, and they did this like little aerobics number upstage. And me, my granny made me um these like onesie feety pajamas with like the drop bottom and the stocking cap, and they pushed little fat insecure Jimmy to the edge of the stage. 
to sing the solo too fat for the chimney but that's where the magic happened dude because i opened my mouth and <sighs> i i get smiles i get nods it was like the first time i got like a positive response yeah isn't and that that's i was like oh like this is the first time i felt and i don't i don't mean to get too deep in this story no no i was really being pulled between two families you know who do you associate with it got really ugly and i never felt like i had a place that was just mine if that mm. makes any sense and that moment on that stage was like home and it was safe and i could just be me not some version of me to like please somebody else and that's where this whole thing started Man. now yeah no let's let's go as deep as you want to man i i love that because I mean, when I talk about stories with people, I always talk about you have what the story is about, and then you've right. got what the story is really about really underneath about, the surface, right. the heart of it. So what we're talking about immediately, which this is what I love, is the heart of that. I, yeah. I love that you just, you know, maybe not at that point, but now you can look back and realize that like, oh, it's totally man, I was needing some connectivity. I was yeah. needing some belonging. I was needing all these things. And that's reciprocated that that energy that's given back from the audience it's so it's so tangible it's so real you know anybody and you're a speaker now you know any speaker right. you, you that's what you live for you well, know it was, and it was a bittersweet moment because i tell people the there's cool things knowing in the first grade what you were designed to do but the bad thing is you immediately and i think a lot of people do this in their gut, they know what they're designed for they know that they have this thing but they immediately make a list of reasons why it's never going to happen so for me, I'm like, I'm not really confident on stage. I don't really, you know, I'm a great singer. I'm fat. I come from a broken home. And then as this continued, going to school, trying to figure out if I wanted to perform, it was, I don't have the money to go to even audition for the schools I want to go to. Um, you know, my parents, while supportive, were like, have a backup plan. And so somewhere subconsciously that made me think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. So I should have a backup plan. And it led to this this real victim mentality of I would have failures, but I got really good at explaining why it wasn't my fault. Oh, <laughs> you know, they're successful because they didn't have to have two jobs in college. They're successful because their parents are this. Like, it's not my fault where I am. Look at all my disadvantages. And where that led me was I found myself in my early 20s as a hundred pound overweight three-time college dropout that had to move back in with my parents because I had been in Florida at the time. And my mom's like, hey, we keep seeing these bills that keep coming in. And I, I'm telling you, I'm, <laughs> this all sounds like some made-for-TV movie, but I literally was living in an apartment, had a mattress on the floor and a TV, and was living off a box of minute rice that last semester. And my mom's like, you need to come home. And it, what sucked is I knew she was right. you yeah. know. And that's just super humbling to go home Big time. at 22 years old and move back in with your folks. And that's where like I'd, I gave up like dreaming was over. It was just surviving. Like it didn't, wasn't performing anymore. Moved back here to Dallas was like bartending and waiting tables. And there's this moment I remember, you know, I, you know, get home from this bar club that I was working at at four in the morning, wake up at noon. And I remember getting ready for work the next day. It was just like groundhog's day, like get up just in mm -hmm. time to like get ready for the lunch shift or get ready for whatever. And I was upstairs and I had just come out of the shower and normally hundred pounds overweight, you kind of wrap the towel and get by the mirror. And I just stopped, you know, in that moment. And I realized I didn't respect the person looking back at me. And, and, and my thought was, who's going to love this? Like who, mm -hmm. this is your life, Jimmy. Like if you don't do something that's, and that's, that's where the shift happens. I tell people like, 
there wasn't thunder and lightning and I didn't wasn't motivated every day of my life, but that was my rock bottom moment where at least I was open to searching for other ways to do things to instead of saying, this is why I can't saying, okay, if things are going to change, I have to change. And that's where, you know, the journey started. I'm already loving where we're going with this. Uh, and, it, and so many people do that. I literally wrote recently about uh, skills versus tools. And I said something very similar about, you know, people are always looking for the tool to do the job for them or make it easier. Right. And that way, if they fail, they can blame it on all oh, that. That must've been the wrong tool. And I just try yeah. to encourage people to like, look, understand, you know, understand how to say what you're trying to say and who you're trying to say it to before you worry about like, what light do I need? What microphone do I need? What camera do I need to use? Right. you know, saying your message. So I see a lot of parallels there. I also see a big parallel in, uh, you know, the role that fitness seems to play in your life. So at that point you see yourself and you, it's interesting. You say this, you know, ask this question of like, who's going to love this. Really the question is, it seems like, how am I going to love this? You know, you're looking right. at yourself and just like, you got to have that first. So I love that. And we, you both, you and I both know that stories are made of these small, but significant moments. Right. That yeah, moment. In that moment, I didn't know it was like a turning point. I look at right. a lot of, of course not. Yeah, exactly. In our lives, the things that the biggest decisions, the things that made the biggest difference at the time seemed super insignificant. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. I love looking back at that. And, and, and recognizing those turning points, which are always, there was a, another storyteller who I look up to a lot, uh, who said that it's always all great movies and great stories are about a five second moment. Wow. And that was yours right there. That, yeah. that five second moment. You're like, no more. Yep. So that I'm assuming is when fitness became a part of your life. Is that fair to say? Or yeah. Accurate? It actually started with a buddy of mine, um, that I was bartending with <laughs> and I'm watching him lose weight. And, and I, I share this all the time is like women, I, I envy them, right? Like they see something in one of their girlfriends that like <laughs> weight, great shoes. And they're just like, so what are you doing this and that? And like, we don't roll up on our buddy and go like, yo, Jeremy, you're looking good in your jeans, bro. Like, what are you doing? Because we just got these huge egos, even though we have no results, we see somebody yeah. literally doing what we want to do and we won't ask. We struggle. And in my 13 plus years of being in business and business coaching people, I have realized men are way more insecure than women and they have way more built-in excuses and way, care way more about what people think. And you always think that, you know, dudes, we're tough and we don't care. We're hard. And it's so Bloody. not the case at all. Yeah. I mean, just so chicken shit about like looking vulnerable or doing something different or what's my buddy going to think and any of that just just give a give a man a critique a, a constructive criticism about anything that he's done and, and watch how defensive they get and we're in i'm speaking for myself here like oh, yeah. i'm conscious of it now so i can change it yeah but so many so many men and people in, in general aren't even conscious that it's happening they just react they just yeah. react oh i am where i am today because i eventually somewhere along the way had to become coachable Mm -hmm. Right. Because, and again, it goes, it goes back to, to do something different. You have, you have to have something different. You're going to do something different, you know? And if somebody's like, well, I've never done it that way before. And I'm always like, okay, well, how's that working out for you right now? Are you mm -hmm. totally satisfied right. with where you are physically in your relationships, financially with your business, whatever that is, whatever you've been doing. And so what I had been doing got me to that moment in the mirror. And so finally, you know, I asked my buddy that I was bartending with and He's the one that introduced me to, to in-home fitness. He said, I'm, he said, I'm doing these DVDs. And I, I was, 
he couldn't get the last D out. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, because I was like, you know, that's Jane Fonda. That's, you know, those are, and again, it's crazy to me. And I, I can say this because I've been this person and then I've run into this person since I've, you know, been in business is when somebody asks your advice or they see that you have something and you start to explain what you did to do it. And they want to like cut it off at the knees and immediately tell you why it either doesn't work. It's some scam or it won't work for them. How there's some like, Oh my God, it is the worst, Jimmy. Yeah. So I, that I'm sorry. I just, I've been, anytime you put content out, you, you see that too. You're just trying to help people and Hey, this may not be the thing for you, but you're so right that so many people that's their knee jerk response is like, well, also there's this exception. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's like well, that works for you. But again, it goes back to like previous version of me. I'm like, oh, this is why it worked for you and not me. So I have to assume that as you began business coaching, you saw and worked with people that were struggling with that same thing that you call that kind of victim mentality or that, you know, just these things, these 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 stories, these narratives that you're telling yourself of like, Oh yeah, but I can, I don't have a great personality. I can never be a stage performer or I don't have the money or I don't have this. So first, why is that so common? Why is that our default? Why is that our go-to to say why we can't do something? What's going on psychologically there from your experience with, cause you uh, ostensibly help people unlock that, right? Yeah. So what is the thing? Why is that a thing? Somewhere along the way, we all lost the ability to be willing to be bad at something in order to be good, mm. right? So maybe they see me give a keynote presentation or on a video and go, Jimmy, that's easy for you. They start saying the same thing I said about other people. This comes naturally, you're really a good speaker. And what I have to go back and continue. So when I talk about my story, I go. To, I gotta go back and remind you that I was hundred pounds overweight. I have to go back and tell you times like some of my very first auditions where I was supposed to have like a monologue memorized and I would get on stage script in hand and I, this like I couldn't I couldn't control this. I'd be like, hand, stop, leg, stop. And I had this <laughs> physical twitch. And I was like, look, everybody, specifically now, people are so scared to be vulnerable. They're not willing to be bad at something in order to get good. And God forbid they ask a question to get better at something. And I'm like, where, where did this come up that that we're supposed to roll out of bed one day and just be good at something? Or I'll start something once I'm good at it. And never in the history of ever. Has that happened with any, even people with just innate, like God-given talents in certain areas still had to hone that craft to be great at something. And so for me, I think it was the pain of where I was became so great. The pain of being embarrassed to take steps wasn't so bad. One of my favorite, there's a story that Jim, uh, that uh, Les Brown talks about all the time. And he talks about this old man is on a porch with his dog and his kid walks by. And the dog is just moaning and groaning. And the kid's like, mister, what's wrong with your dog? He's moaning and groaning. Like, what's wrong with your dog? And he's like, oh, he's laying on a nail. And the kid's like, well, why doesn't he just get up and move? He's like, oh, it only hurts enough to moan and groan. It doesn't hurt enough to get up and move. And I think that's wow. where a lot of people are in their life. Their nail is enough for them to bitch and whine. And, they, and what they do is they surround them, themselves with people that are what I would call complaining, but they don't even call it complaining. Well, I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining, or I'm just, it's complaining. It's like complaining. If, it, if there's something that you're dissatisfied with, that some action you could take could change it and you don't. And this may be tough love. And this is, 
this is 13 years of personal growth. And when I talk, when I say these things, these are conversations I've had to have with myself. Sure, if absolutely. you are voicing something and you were that there that you could take some action and change and you're not willing to take action, you have lost the right to voice. You have lost the right to complain. Because if you're like, well, I don't really like my job. Cool. Are you looking for another job? Or what are you doing about it? Well, nothing. But I just, let me tell you about my boss. Let me tell you why it's not fair. And I'm like, cool. What do you, like the people that I, that I coach, I, I, I'll give them an ear. You can come and you can whine and complain and vent, but they all know if you ask them, they get it all done. And my question's always the same at the end. Man, that sucks. What are we going to do about it? Yep. <laughs> always. What, okay. You got it off your chest. Let's make a game plan. Because if not, you're just running in circles over and over again. But I really do, to kind of answer your question, I just think somewhere along the way, people don't want to do the work and they don't, they don't want to be bad in order to be good. They're so scared of what, again, going back to what am I going to look like if yeah. I try the online business? What am I going to look like if I try to public? What am I going to look like that first time I try a workout and I look stupid at it? Mm -hmm. And I, I understand. When I first started trying to lose weight, I remember going into a gym I literally used to get like the men's health magazines and they had like the pullout section in the middle that had like the, the workout of the month. Yep. I had no clue what I'm doing. I'm in the corner with my magazine and I was so self-conscious that if anybody else in the gym was like smiling or laughing or having a conversation, I assumed they were talking about the awkward oh. fat guy in the corner with his magazine. That's how messed up my mindset was. Oh man. I felt that that's, that's tough. But I mean, that's there's so much courage and so much boldness and being willing to be the guy in the corner with the fold out, like awkwardly, you know, looking at that. And, and that's not even because I got, because the pain got so bad of being the guy in the mirror. So mm -hmm. being embarrassed while it sucked, didn't suck as, as bad as being that guy at 22 saying enough's enough. So this all uh, ties in and reminds me of, I saw something recently uh, that you posted online um, that was just a simple, like, uh, I think it was like action over knowledge or action is greater than knowledge. So yeah. you, this is you taking action. And I love this concept. Tell me why just getting out there, getting your hands dirty and just doing the damn workout versus okay, well, let me read a couple of books and let me, you know, just getting caught in this consuming, consuming, consuming instead of going out there and creating and doing and taking action. Why is that so important for people to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of grateful that this whole journey of mine started pre-social media. When I started my <laughs> business in 07, you know, it was early social media. And mm -hmm. the reason I say that is because now we've never had more knowledge in the world. Like I could sit here on my phone for the next four hours and watch YouTube videos on storytelling, fitness, business, wherever my pain point is. And I feel like I'm doing something. And to an extent you are, you're, you're learning more. But I had a mentor of mine to talk about learned knowledge versus applied knowledge. And you mm. have to do both. And it's like taking steps forward. Because if you're just learning about something you're just going to kind of like go in a circle because you're only taking steps with one foot right it's like in a circle you're not going anywhere and but if you're but if you're taking action with no knowledge you're also going to turn and run into a wall so it has to be both perfect example i had some buddies of mine a few years ago that were going on a snowboarding and skiing trip uh, in whistler canada man 
the whole, like I lived in New York City for four years and I moved back to Texas because I am just not a fan of the cold. Like I am wearing a jacket <laughs> inside and it's 45 yeah, degrees out. I like the jacket, by the way. I've been meaning yeah, to Just like, it's cold. So they invite me, have a buddy say, well, why are you going to me? Like, you don't snowboard and you don't like the cold. And I'm like, ah, but it's the guys. I'm like, cool, well, whatever on the hill. I was like, I know there's probably going to be like good times and conversation and whiskey at night. And this could be great. I'm, I'm really there for just the party, basically. But I was like, well, I, I should know something. So I spend all my time leading up to the, uh, to the trip on YouTube watching snowboarding tutorials. You know, how am I going to be Sean White and watching all this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I learn more in the first 10 minutes of busting my ass 20 times than I did it all watching those videos, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like that's what we are as a society is great knowledge without action is it's just wasted energy it doesn't do anything you don't get better just because you know about something or yeah i've read mm -hmm. that that's a great concept that doesn't nope. get you any progress i see it a lot and and i'm sure you associate with these people they're probably a lot in your sphere as, as they are mine i see that a lot in the personal development space People want to read every book. They want to go to every Tony Robbins conference. They want to, you know, listen to podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, but at what point are you going to start doing something? Whatever it is that you want to do. I was stuck in that. Yeah. Uh, I was in a pit emotionally, financially, physically, uh, you know, five, five, four, five or six years ago. And to get out of it, I had to do that. I had to learn. I had to consume. I had to try everything that I could, you know, study people that had been successful. But then I remember at some point, I just had to be like, all right, like enough books. And now I, you know, I, the way I say it is like, you know, put down the book and pick up the pen. Oh, at some point I had to start like telling my own story and starting doing my own stuff. But, and now that I can look back, I see people caught in that space of just, like you said, I love the, 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 the metaphor you used of walking with one foot and just, just going in a circle. That's so, so perfectly. Vivid. And I still get caught in this. Like you got to make it messy, you know, and specifically as I went from, you know, my initial start in business was in the health and fitness world. It was inside of network marketing, you know, because what happened was that buddy of mine that introduced me to DVDs, helped me lose a hundred pounds. And then mm -hmm. that company started a business side of things, the network marketing side of things. So I had an association with Beachbody, the P90X Insanity people nice. for 13 years um, in some of their videos. I but, but what I was more proud of is that I built a very successful international team of people helping them build their businesses, right? And, mm -hmm. but it was that, it was willing to be bad at it first to like not know what I was doing. But, but all of that is what introduced me to personal development mm -hmm. and literally having to take ownership for some things and and it pre it prepared me for so many things ahead of me because I really fought against it at first because I was like well, I'm not succeeding in business I was really bad at it in fact it, it, I really kind of pushed against it I was a no on both to do the workouts initially and on the business side because I'm like dude I'm a three-time college dropout nothing mm -hmm. of my past says I'm good with money I finished I didn't finish anything I ever started like if I go back as a kid like I quit taekwondo I quit uh you know, soccer, I quit playing the saxophone. Like anytime things would get harder work, wasn't fun. I quit, which is crazy now because now I'm obsessed with getting over the finish line and things, but I still get stuck. You know, when I started building out my, my business now where I'm helping people craft their story and their presentations and this as a speaking coach, it was the same thing. I kept talking about it. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. Okay. 
this, I'm going to start this other business. People keep asking me, Jimmy, how do I work with you? You know, because my, you know, my dad reached out, my dad's been in real estate for 30 years. Saw what I was doing with health and fitness coaches. And he's like, Hey, can you come talk to my agents to do what you do? And I'm like, work out. He's like, no, 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 no. Cause this was early social media. And so I, the term personal branding wasn't around and it, and it wasn't even like it was some big strategic move on my part. I was just doing what I knew, yeah. which all these hidden hours in a theater, in front of a camera, learning how to tell a story as an actor, I didn't know was preparing me for this. And was I didn't know it was allowing me to come alongside the real estate agent or the financial advisor or the entrepreneur or even the big companies and say, hey, you want to get people to emotionally move? Let's go back to first grade, Jimmy. You want to get an emotional response from your audience? Let me tell you how to just tell a good story. Quit leading with your facts and your figures and your spreadsheets and your resume. Tell me a story because I really truly believe that your personal story is your number one marketing tool, specifically going into 2021 is if we can sit down. I mean, I'll just use myself as an example. Jimmy, what do you do for a living? And I start with in the first grade. Well, what the hell does a first grade thing have to do with you helping me with my story? Nothing and everything, you know? And so, and that's really what I do when I sit down with people is let's go identify that story, you know, cause usually I'll ask, I take people kind of through a memory jogger and it's like, cool. What do you do? How long have you been doing that? How'd you get in that? And you keep going backwards and nine times out of 10, you find some story when they were a kid or an adolescent or something in college that planted the seed that became what they did. And once you can help them kind of connect those dots, that's where it really gets fun. Yeah. A lot of times they're oblivious to that too. Like they don't trace it back to that first grade, you know, stage performance. Yeah. Or they think their story's not big enough, not good mm. enough, right? Like, Oh, there's times and this is the thing I have to battle against sometimes is, you know, like Jimmy, I don't have the hundred pound weight loss story, or I don't have the you know, getting out of $60,000 in debt story. And I'm like, that that's not where things are. You want to be able to relate to some of your audience. I really feel like the best stories, the best stories help your audience have a feeling that something along the lines of, oh, you too. I thought I was the only one that felt that way. And that doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest or losing a hundred pounds. That could be overcoming something small. That can be something with like you and a parent or a loved one or a sibling or a child or, you know, whatever that happens to be because that's what you're connecting on those levels. So it doesn't have to be these grandiose stories. And even these people that have amazing stories, like literally you're like, holy crap. They don't think it's that big a deal because they did it. Yeah. And they don't, because they're like, well, I did it. You know, everybody can do that. That's not mm. big a deal. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like that can help a lot of people needing to, to hear that story that somebody else has come through what they're going through right now. When you were doing the network marketing uh, for fitness, at that point, were you consciously, because that to me sounds, seems like a perfect opportunity to use storytelling in, in business. Were you using that, utilizing that tool? Were you aware if you were using it? Is that where it started to come to shape for you? I wasn't aware when I started using it until somebody else kind of pointed it out. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes people are like, can you teach me what you do? And we're so close to what we do. You have to stop and look <laughs> like at yourself out here and go, <laughs> how do, do I do what I do? Right. You've been doing it so long. And I realized specifically, maybe not specifically for network marketing, but if, if you are representing a product or a service, mm -hmm. especially specifically if your journey is your customer's journey, I think there's like this great four part storytelling format that goes basically number one, where was I? 
where was I, right? Number two, you know, three time college dropout, moved back in with my parents. That's where I was. Two, what was I dissatisfied about? Well, take your pick in that story, you know, and add, a, add on that three maxed out credit cards. The third part of that is what did I find? That's what we call the pivot, like what I found. But I found a business, but I found a shake, but I found a workout, but I found a community. And then number four is can be twofold. It's either where I am now or why I'm excited about the future. And then if you wanted to put a bonus number five on that, it would be like, and here's how I can help you do the same. So you go back through that. One, where was I? Two, was I dissatisfied about? Three is the pivot, what I found. Four is either my results now. But the cool thing about this is you don't even have to have results yet. If the pivot and number four is why I'm excited about the future, why I have hope for the first time and ever, why I'm excited to wake up in the morning. And number five is, and I'd like for you to come along with me or let me teach you what I did. That's a great through line that, because sometimes, you know, people kind of divert and, and wander on their stories and we want to keep it this, this, this straight through line. So I always find that that four bonus five part format keeps me on track. Yeah. And, and that pivot, that moment, that, that's everything, right? That, that moment of change. I, I, I love that so much. And that's a great like formula to use because people, I think they overthink it sometimes, right? They, their stories are too big. They try to include every aspect of it. So having a simple formula like that, I think helps people just say, okay, here's the essential elements to your story. You just laid out the arc perfectly right there. Um, one of the the things that I was really interested in, in talking to you uh, or why I was interested in talking to you and, and what I was interested in talking to you about is I noticed that, I mean, fitness is still a big part of your life and your personal brand. Uh, in fact, on your website, it's, you know, I love your, your categories are like a uh, uh, business body and brain. Is that right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And right. I, I love that. Cause I, I have those, those, you know, three pillars in, in my life as well. Now, personally, it took me a long time to lean into that intersection, that overlap of these things. I grew up an athlete and into sports and fitness. And I grew up an artist on stage musicals and at church and school and choir and, you know, writing and things like that. And I kept them apart for almost my whole life because I've never seen anybody do them both. Right. And then a coach helped me some, a few years ago, three or four years ago, realize that like, actually it's pretty unique intersection there. That's a pretty, pretty unique lane that you can like own and exist in. So then I was like, Oh, (laughs) I've been fighting this for 35 years, but I, I, I think people struggle that not just, just me. And I really love the way you lean into it. And uh, you aren't just, I'm just the business guy. Right. I just help you. I'm just the business guy. I'm like 1 million other people. You know, and so if we'll lean into, I think people don't want to niche down and don't want to get too specific because they think I'm going to lose part of my audience. But what it's going to do is I'm going to attract people like you, other weirdos, just like me that have weird intersections because I was the same way. I was the only guy doing musicals that was mad at the Sunday matinee that I was missing the Cowboy game. Nobody else cared back there. I love you. I knew I would love you. So this is back in the day of like (laughs) trying to like, set the VCR to record the game, not have on the radio, get home after the matinee and watch the game without finding out what was going on, you know? Um, but when we really <laughs> lean into all the weird things that make us weird, not only we'll find other weirdos that are exactly like us. And when you yeah. find those people, they're immediately your audience. Like those are like your lifers. 
And then there's going to be people outside of that that maybe just appreciate the artist in you or maybe just appreciates the athlete in you or the business person or whatever. But it really does allow it to lean in. And then that's become my branding about how, for me, my mindset, you know, I have an entire um, morning routine I talk about a lot about this idea that my 100-pound weight loss wasn't the biggest battle that I face. My biggest battle I face is the one every morning that I battle in my mind. I have to do, Fat Jimmy still lives up here. And so when I wake up in the morning, I immediately grab my phone, go to YouTube, put on some kind of motivational video or whatever, because I got to have something speak life into me before I start talking to myself because that dude still lives up here. So for me, it's get up, feed my brain while I'm prepping and get that workout in because all those things that fill my bucket, if I'm going to reach out and have an impact in this world, if I'm going to coach others, if I'm going to pour into other people, I can't do it from an empty vessel. So I have to get up and take care of my mind and my body first if I'm going to be the best for them. I just came off a four-day event where it was this, the biggest virtual event in the world, this crazy 360 studio with interactive Zooms in front of 40,000 people. My call time, my car came at 6.30 in the morning. So I was up at 4.15 to move. And did I want to? No. But this was the biggest stage of my career. I'm like, cool. I got to go all day. And so it would be really easy to go. I have a 12, 14 hour day ahead of me. I should probably get extra sleep. I thought of it the other way. I got to get up and get this battery rolling because I, these people are counting on me to show up. They've, they've trusted me with this audience, right? So I don't take that lightly or the same thing, whether that's a, an audience of 40,000 or if I'm sitting across a client one-to-one, you've trusted me to help you with something or you've trusted me to show up and speak on your stage. I got to be the best version of me. So that goes back into investing in my mindset and, and moving my body. So it really does all work together. What's your favorite thing about what you do? You know what? I love pouring into somebody else and watching them take action. We're going to go back to this action thing. Like when I watch the, not just the light come on because yeah, I appreciate when, Hey, Jimmy, you were really inspiring or you fired me up. And I'm always like, awesome. Get back to me. When you tell me the action step you took the day you didn't want to tell me the time you fought through something that you wouldn't have in the past because of something I told you or the breakthrough. And I love pouring into people. And what, what revs me up is that, that, that response, you know, I talk about the emotional response from first grade, Jimmy, it's that emotional response with an action step on it as well, because I know that what drains my energy is when I get really fired up and I pour into somebody else and they don't do anything with it, but they go, Oh yeah, that's good. And then we keep <laughs> in my mentorship groups. I, um, you know, I told you before, I'll let people complain and we'll talk through things and I give them a step. And I said, you know, I'm here for you, but the minute we have the exact same conversation twice <laughs> and, it's, and it's not that I don't care stuff. I just need you to at least take baby steps with me. But if you're just going to stand still and continue and let me or whoever pour knowledge into you with no movement, that's where, that's what drains the battery for me. And so for me, what I love most is pouring into somebody and watching them and to where, to where they don't even need, like where they don't need me anymore. And that wasn't always the case. Mm-hmm. I needed credit and I needed things to run through me. And as I've grown I've realized if I really truly do my job well, I teach somebody how to fish, right? To where, yeah, I'll be your, I'll be your batter, I'll be your charge that you can plug into me when you need to. But at some point, if you don't need me or or I'm always gonna be available, 
But if you can self-sustain because you've taken the things I've taught you and you created your own routine or your own way to do that and to go pour into somebody else, because at the end of the day, you want to leave a legacy or you want to live forever, learn something, pour it into somebody else and teach them how to teach somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to outlive however long we're on this earth because that thing keeps going. And to me, that's a really, it's a huge responsibility, but it's really what keeps me rolling. Now, besides um, those voices in our head telling us why we can't do this or, oh, I didn't go to college. I'm a college dropout, et cetera. What are some of the common blocks that you see your clients dealing with that keep coming up, whether they're real estate, whether they're financial advisor, it usually comes back to the same handful of psychological issues I find. Yeah. What are some of those common obstacles that you help people achieve in, in telling their story and leaning into these unique intersections and any of this? When it comes to launching a business, and this one just because I battled with this one too, is, oh, there's already these people in my space, mm. right? So if I'm like, hey, I'm a storyteller. Well, I can list off probably five of the more notable storytellers and I probably worked with four of them either as mentors or they're buddies of mine, most of them, you know? And so I'm like, oh, well, that's, well, if somebody's looking for a storytelling coach or a speaking coach, they're obviously going to go to A, B, C, or D. And we just make this assumption that everybody in the world knows who those four people are. Just because my circle knows who those four people are. And a lot of those people may be too removed from me, but there's people that have never heard of those human beings. And so fill in the blank with whatever industry you're thinking, you know, somebody's like, Hey, you know, I'd love to be an interior designer. I'd love to learn how to make flower arrangements for, you know, weddings or birthdays. I would love to be an artist or a singer. I would love to teach people video game techniques. I mean, you take it to anything. There's always going to be somebody already in your space. And that doesn't mean you're like, Oh, I have to wait. And this is what used to grab me a lot. Specifically in like the network marketing world was Mm. I if there's somebody else that has built a bigger business, makes more money, they're, they must be better at this than I am. So I, who am I to teach anybody until I've made X amount or until I've checked off these resume things? And for me, if I could go back and tell me in the past to like get over something, it's stop waiting to check these resume things. These, there's people out there in the audience that that doesn't mean anything to as long as you're two steps ahead of somebody, you can help coach them. I used to deal with this all the time with health and fitness coaches. I had a, I had one lady that I was working with came to me and said, Jimmy, you know, I really want to help people. I'm going to be a good health, uh, you know, health fitness coach. I, I'm, I'm just going to start 50 pounds. I still need to lose 50 more pounds because all I've done so far is I've, j- I've just changed a few things and I lost 30 pounds. And I was like, whoa, I was like, what? She's like, yeah, but I, I need to lose 50 pounds because once I lose the 80 pounds, I'll be a more credible coach. I said, do you realize that you your 30-pound weight loss and just a few changes you've made, you are a rock star to somebody that's just been sitting on the couch just thinking about changing or wishing they would have changed, and you are way more approachable than, you know, Abs McGee, you know, on Instagram that has half a percent body fat? Like, that's not attainable. You were just a few steps ahead of them and they go, oh, okay, if she did it, I can do it. And I just feel like people are waiting until I need to check. I need to, I need one more, you know, bullet point on the resume, then I'll start. And most people, they can have an impact right where they are right now. You know, I think that's such a great point. And I mean, I've, I know that to be true, but I've never thought about it as clearly, as clearly as you just said it, that Abs McGee is totally intimidating. 
for a normal person, right? Um, But for that regular person that's just trying to make that lifestyle change to just live a happy and healthy life, like that that 30 pound, that person who lost 30 pounds, but is still, you know, quote unquote, overweight, like that's a more realistic, uh, more realistic. And I have, I have a perfect example of that. So I'm in the Insanity DVDs with Sean T, right? We shot those a decade ago in the Bronx. Love Sean, dear friend of mine. When that, so while we were shooting those DVDs, I remember in my brain thinking, nobody's doing this workout. This is crazy. <laughs> Not knowing that it would be the all-time most sellingest fitness program ever, right? That and P90X were like the two meccas. And so once it started getting popular and people started finding me on social media and realizing that I was there, I felt this pressure to like be, I felt like I needed to be like the little white version of Sean somehow. Like I needed to stay four to 6% body fat, which I'm, I'm just not naturally. I'm not, I don't have abs 365 days a year. It's just not how my body is composed. And, but when I did that, so I started putting these crazy restrictions on myself to always be as lean as possible. I stopped telling my story about how I'd been hundred pounds overweight. And what happened is I gained fans and admirers and my business dropped. Wow. Cause now nobody could relate with me anymore. They admired me. Awesome. Good for you, Jimmy. I could never do that. So I had to go back and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. because these people were finding me assuming I'm just fit. Jimmy, I'm the good squats guy in the insanity DVDs. And I've always been that guy. Yeah. And I finally had to, and I almost wanted to get rid of fat Jimmy. It's like, no, 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 yeah. this is my new world. Oh man. And then I just watched my business start to crumble and I'm like, well, cool. I'm glad I have these admirers, but admirers aren't paying my rent. This, and this, I'm not really having an impact, not even about money. I'm not having an impact on people if I'm not letting them get started because they, they're intimidated by me. So I'm not saying don't achieve amazing things. Just continue to remind people where you came from, whether it's 100 pounds, three-time college dropout, $60,000 in debt. It's the, the, and most people don't want to share the vulnerable things about them, right? They, the things they're hiding is what they should be sharing. Mm-hmm. And I go back to, um, did you ever see Eight Mile? Yeah. With Eminem, right? Yeah. It's the end scene, right? They're going back into the battle, and mm-hmm. his buddy's like, "Dude, he took your girlfriend. You don't have a job." Like he's listing all these things about, you know, and he stops, and he goes first, and he puts all that on him. He's like, "You stole my girl. You know, you. I don't have any money." And once we are willing to show our own wounds and our own vulnerability, like think about this. When's the last time somebody was super vulnerable with you and they're like, hey, this is where I messed up. Do we go, you suck? We don't. Like, we immediately have compassion. We're like, God, bless your heart and bring it in, right? Same thing with athletes. Think about athletes that had just, was it was it like Andy Pettit that came up and was like, dude, I did it. Like, I messed up. I took performance enhancing drugs and everybody's like, okay, cool. You're forgiven. <laughs> It's the ones that are like, no, no, no. Barry Bonds is like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He becomes a villain. So I'm like, so true. Go tell people where you screwed up in the past. And just like, man, this is where it was hard. But then give me that pivot. What are you doing about it? Where do you come out of it? Like, I didn't stay the dude in the mirror. So this is where I came from. But most people aren't willing to share their embarrassing moments. But that's where the connection happens. Man, I think you know, what you've just said touches so much on identity and, and authenticity and, and insecurity, you know, but it's such a great point of 
because people chase their followers these days, you know? And I love that point is like my followers went up, but my business went down and who I was impacting and, and in what capacity went down. I think that's so important that we, our identity and our egos need to chase this at times, but it's just not the same when you lean into that authentic self that and be vulnerable to that point and then look how you can impact people and then the business grow. It's just such a, me- a perfect metaphor for, you know, what happens when you're authentic, you find the people that you're trying to help versus trying to be this, this image. At the end of the day, who's it about? Is it about us or is it about having an impact? And that's where you got to kind of check yourself. That's the question we got to ask, right? Are you trying to just please yourself, you know, looking in the mirror or whatever, or are you trying to have an impact on on the world and and the people around you? I mean, and, and that's up to you to decide. I'm not here to judge anybody one way or another, but I think that is the question that we need to ask. When you, so what, what years were you uh, in New York? Oh, four to oh eight. Oh, okay. Right, right, right right after, right after the, the, everything crashed. Right. right, I was like, I'm ready to go home. So I just missed you. I moved up in in 2010 uh, for about three or four years. Um, but you were in the fitness space and you, I don't know if you're in the Bronx, but you had mentioned being in the Bronx shooting, uh, shooting in the insanity DVD. So did you ever see that, that community, that culture in the parks and playgrounds or scaffold doing pull-ups on street lights and scaffolding and all that very New York, right? Yeah, very. So I got to send you this. Uh, I ended up, I moved up there not for this reason, but it was one of the reasons why my girlfriend at the time and I chose New York, uh, I made a film about that 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 calisthenics culture, that that, awesome. that freestyle calisthenics culture, and it was a labor of love. It took me five or six or seven years to travel the world because at that point, when social media came out, it went all over. The Russians took to it because of their gymnastics background, yeah. everywhere in between. And so I traveled, you know, with a with a camera, just couch surfing and telling that story, and and you know that that's its own story, just making yeah, yeah. that part of what got me in that pit because I was chasing this dream, but I learned a lot of hard lessons from it. But being a, being someone who lived in New York, being in the fitness space, you'll totally dig it. Uh, we ended up licensing it to Red Bull TV. So they still have it uh, until 2021, actually. So it's free. I'll send you the link, but uh, you'll, to see that. That's you'll, awesome, man. you'll totally, totally dig it. It's right up your, your alley. And I love yeah, we used uh, to host uh, like fit clubs in Central Park. And, you know, I did a, I did a, a road trip. In fact, when I first started my business, I had a buddy in the in the industry. He was on a TV show, and the TV show was being moved from LA to New York. Mm-hmm. I happened to be out in LA for something, and he's like, "Hey, you want to drive my car? Can you bring me my car in New York?" He's like, "Would you be willing to drive it across country?" I'm like, "Can I make a business bit out of it?" He's like, "Sure." So me and some of my Beachbody buddies did a fitness road trip from LA through Phoenix, Dallas. Nashville and it ended in New York City and Sean T met us at one of the dance studios there we did like a big workout uh, at the end but we used to do workouts there and in uh and in Central Park and we'd always see those guys like doing the crazy like flipping over the bars you know exactly I can't wait to send you this uh so you've mentioned you know we've talked about this pivot in the story that word has been just hammered into us in 2020 right because everybody's been forced to to do it some successfully um what have you, have you made any changes this year in the way that you're serving your audience? Is anything uh, uh, shifted besides obviously the, you know, in-person events basically ceasing? Uh, have you had to do anything differently to, to help people tell their stories better? Yeah, I used to do in-person two-day workshops to help people with their signature talk and story. And so that's pivoted online and it's actually 
in some ways, it, you know, it's easier to work with people, you know, in the Zoom and one-on-one -on -one opportunities this way, you know, and you, it's to focus, you know, uh, sometimes we'll have workshops where we'll put people in breakout rooms and then they can work with each other one-on-one -on -one that sometimes they wouldn't do in person. And so I feel like, you know, that's been one thing, obviously, you know, being a host or an MC or even a keynote speaker, I just booked two other online summits that so, I'm, I'm presenting at and, you know, I, the guy that I was talking to yesterday, he's like, the cool thing about this, he's like, you could do four events in one day, something that's based out of LA, Chicago, Dallas, and Atlanta, all in the same day. You know, if you just space them out that I have an interview at eight at noon at two and at six or something like that. I was like, yeah, that's really true. But I feel like I've been able to serve just as many people now. Uh, awesome. As before, you know, and in some ways, even more so because I'm not you know, there's people that I can have a workshop with that don't have to physically come to me or we don't have to be in the same room and I'm still helping them. And then you have the opportunity to work on them, work with them on their story or their presentation. And you're like, cool, this is how you would do it when you're back on a physical stage. Here's how you want to do it on a Zoom. Here's mm -hmm. how you want to do it in an Instagram story. And so therefore being able to take somebody's signature talk or their story and show here, you can use this story in a two minute conversation with a prospect across the table. Here's how, you, and you just show them the different platforms that they can execute it on, whether it's, you know, a podcast interview, you know, right. people that are taking notes now, a lot of the questions you've asked me, I lead with a story. And that's not an accident, you know, because you're going to remember my stories way more than if I just came at you with facts and figures. Absolutely. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people, whether it's because of 2020 or just the nature of the way the world and business is going. I feel like we're seeing a lot more entrepreneurs now, a lot more people kind of trying to carve out their own lane in their own careers. And many or most of them, you know, would benefit and need the help telling their story. So a lot of people are kind of in this stage where they're in a transition and they need to craft their personal brand, carve that out, talking about our unique intersections. If you were coaching somebody who was new to this and they're like, you know, Jimmy, I need, I know I need to tell my story. If I'm pitching this idea, I'm trying to raise money or whatever, whatever. What's the first piece of advice you give to somebody who's just like, I don't know anything about how to tell my story. Please help. The very first question I ask anybody is who's your audience and what problem do you solve? Because mm -hmm. I need to know that to help you pick the right story. Right, because then we'll go through a bit of a story memory jogger. But if you're not super clear on who exactly you help and what the problem you solve is, not what the solution is, but what the problem is, and and how does your how does your ideal audience what's their language with their problem? Because sometimes mm -hmm. when we're on the other side, we we kind of speak in expert talk. Right. So if somebody said, Jimmy, what do you do for a living? If I said I'm a story coach, most people's gonna think, well, I don't need a story. But if I say <laughs> I help business owners attract and convert their ideal clients. Could you use more clients? Yes. How do you do that? I do that by helping you craft a personal story that ties to your product and service. What I do is not as a story coach. I help business owners get more ideal clients. That's the problem that I solve. The way I do that is by helping them identify a story and showing them how to craft it. Beautifully stated, brother. I think that's a great place to, to, to wrap it up. Awesome. Uh, man, I really hope, I really dig your, your style and your energy and your vibe and the way you walk in the world. I hope that we get to see each other and maybe be at the same event one day, maybe do some push-ups together, whatever that looks like, my friend, I'd be up for it. 
we can we can just uh, console each other outside of a cowboy game one day. Or that. But you know, we'll that. do we that can, there we and uh, get a beer at the open end zones and just look out at the Texas sky and maybe a tear will fall. Or remember, two. remember when we used to win? We'll do that. Right. Talk <laughs> about talk about the triplets. <laughs> By the way, I was at the game where Emmett broke the record in 2002. Oh, no way. With, That's awesome. With my brother, and I have to give my brother credit. He predicted the game because we had to buy the tickets before the season. Ended. The season. And he was like, he had like 593 yards left. And he's like, he, Emmett's old. I don't think he's going to do it in six games. The eighth game they play Seattle at home. I bet it'll be the eighth game. And we chose those tickets and it was that game. And I, and I hope you played the lotto that year too, man. That's awesome. Wild, right? I mean, I, I that was my hero. I was a running back and that like Emmett is still my hero, but that, awesome. that, that was a, a beautiful cowboy story. We'll end on that note <laughs> instead of this year. All right, my friend, thank you so much. All right, thank you. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.